So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, the Running Rugby Podcast. We are back. We're still going. I'm still alive. It's Archie here and Roll Call. Leo, are you still alive out there? Correct. I am here and healthy. Good. Toby, you surviving over there in the UK? Mate, just barely. Um, but yeah, still in lockdown, but um, ready to ready rock and roll on this. Let's go. That's it. And we've, we've had quite a bit of a break here because we've had not a lot to talk about. A lot more important things going on in the world, but that's all changed now. We've got rugby back, at least in my country. Uh, New Zealand welcomed it back for a sport, having crowds there with Super Rugby Aotearoa. Can't quite, can't quite wrap my... Um, my Maori's still a bit rusty. I haven't quite picked it up there, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But first sport with crowds back. I was at the Blues game this afternoon. Oh, God, it was good, boys. It was great atmosphere. Absolutely sold out at Eden Park. 43,000 fans to watch the Blues. Bowden Barrett taking on his old team, the Hurricanes. And a great game. Lived up to expectations. A little bit of kicking, maybe a little bit more than we're used to. But, um, you know, exciting game. Good for the home team. Uh, good good bit of um, chirp from the Hurricanes boys when they scored that first try. Getting all over Bowden. Pulled him into uh, the celebration. <laughs> pulled him into the celebration. Gave him a bit of a pat. No, it was good. It was really good. And and the game, uh, the Highlanders-Chiefs game, a, a thriller as well. So yeah. really good kickoff for, for rugby in the Southern Hemisphere. And I'm looking forward to Australian rugby coming back in three weeks, I think. That's right. So for those who haven't kept up with the news, obviously Super Rugby um, in its former form is not going ahead. Obviously travel... Restrictions, South Africa and Argentina still having a lot of issues with COVID. So New Zealand's been the first to get their act together and get rugby back on board. Um, so this is just the five teams playing head-to-head, two games home and away with each team. Um, so going round 10 rounds um, to crown a champion of Super Rugby in New Zealand. And then Australia's following the same form in a couple of weeks, same format. Um, we thought potentially they were going to try and bring the Sunwolves in to keep them going. Um, not manage that, but the Western Force, welcome back to Super Rugby. They're back, boys. And they've picked up yeah, a few huge. senior huge. names. That's right. They've signed a couple of ex-Wallabies, a couple of familiar faces to make sure they can um, match it with the big boys when they come back um, into the, these matches. Yeah, podcast yeah, favourite. got John Lance. Big shout out to him. Um, I think he's now signed up in Edinburgh, if I'm not mistaken, but no, he is. He, um, he was signed in Edinburgh, but he, there was all dependent on him getting a visa. And a couple of days ago, they said he can't get a visa. So that's fallen through. How can he get a visa? I don't know, but he can't. That's so weird. So that possibly sucks. that's why in very that's recent news, he has <laughs> managed to jump mm. on the force train that's and, right. um, I'm happy for that anyway because John O'Lance is a quality player and uh, he knows the force. Uh, 
having been a, been a former member. He, know, he, he knows is, the he force. He's strong with the he, force. He uses the force. No, he's good. He's a quality player. We, we were a bit sad when we lost him, but mm. you know he'll, he'll bring some extra experience back, and that just helps solidify some of the force um, backline there. Like how how reliable will John O'Lance and Cole Godwin be in the in the backline of the force? That's right, Cole Godwin. Well, that might returning be from ten Canada. and twelve. Could be a ten and twelve right there for the Pot- force potentially. Yeah, and they've got a lot of young guys on that team, so definitely having a bit of maturity will definitely help out. Um, and then they have Greg Holmes coming back um, into the forwards to bolster their prop stocks as well. I know yeah, been know his opposition well. He's been solid for Exeter for quite a while now. Um, he'd be getting on in, in age, but I think he's still, you know, he's always been pretty technically proficient around the scrum and line out. So I think a really good addition for the force there as well. Mm. Before we get on to predictions uh, for Super Rugby Australia, going back to um, New Zealand, obviously a few different law changes, trials with what they're doing here. They're policing the ruck a bit more fiercely. They're really um, trying to stop any of those sort of players going to ground and making extra movements, crawling forward, trying to push back up and propel themselves a bit forward. And they're really tightly uh, making sure players get out of that ruck really quickly to try and get more clean ball. And they're policing offside really, really harshly. We've seen a few more penalties in just these two games for offside, which is good. Keeping players honest, keeping the touch judges engaged in the game so they can't just bludge out there with their flags. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Come on, you know it's that's true, all though. It's something, like, it, that's all Ben O'Keefe does it, with At least flag. gives them a little bit more of an excuse to actually say something because I bet you half the time they see players offside and they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. Now there's actually like a push to pull this up so they'll actually speak up. And I think I really like that they've recognised that they didn't really have an issue with their law. If if it wasn't playing out and giving them the right uh, brand and, and display on the field, it was because of the officiating, not holding players to that law. So it's, I really like that they haven't tinkered with the law, so people don't need to learn any new technical things around the ruck, particularly. It's just the fact that, no, 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 we weren't policing this tightly enough. Mm. The guidelines are this. You must behave, and if you don't, we'll penalise you. And so now we've got a 10-week period where it'll be really interesting to see them change in their behaviour because there's no way the Chiefs and the Highlanders can give away that many ruck penalties every week. There'll be a, a huge disadvantage if they can't get that under control. So they're going to have to be really good and technical when they're pilfering, and they're going to have to be really careful when they're when they're on attack and not just throw bodies over over the top. So those uh, come have come in. We obviously saw, especially in the Chiefs Highlanders game, thirty penalties total. So a bit more for these players to get used to to try and bring those numbers down. Um, they're brought in golden points, so no more ties will ever happen. Um, which was pretty classic in a lot of these New Zealand derby games. They would often end up in draws. And they've got rid of the red card to an extent, sort of they've brought in this orange card sort of thought that lose a player for 20 minutes, he can't come back on, but then you can replace um, back up to the full complement of 15 men. Which again, just, just prevents games where maybe someone has a massive brain snap and does something really dumb or... You know, puts a guy on his head in the first ten minutes, and Snaps you just someone's think, brain. you know, yeah. just a bit of a bit of adrenaline there early on, 
now that guy's not coming back, but at least the rest of the game, that team don't have to suffer, you know, 70 minutes with 14 men and potentially later on, you know, for another card down to 13. Like just games throughout the last two years when they've been really tough on this rule and it's really good, but it's just, it's destroyed the spectacle and it, it's still, I suppose, it, it makes sure the players are punished and, and it keeps the safety element, but it gives the game a chance to recover. Yeah. All right, so first game was Highlanders, Chiefs, down there in Dunedin, Forsyth Bar. Bit of a crazy game. Um, really back and forth, really close. Obviously, lots of penalties, as we've highlighted, but Highlanders, I don't think any of us tipped it, but they came out on top, 28-27. couple of last-ditch dropped goals um, on either side. Thought it was going to go the other way, but... Yeah, well done, Highlanders. I I was not expecting the Chiefs to go down in their first game of this competition. Yeah, very surprising. I I had tipped them originally because they are my New Zealand team, and then I thought through the team list. I thought, you know what, the Chiefs the Chiefs are better. The, the Highlanders were running pretty poorly when Super Rugby kicked off. Yeah. I think they won one from six when they when they started this year's season. So. I sort of got into the stats from from that competition a bit and went, ah, oh, no, you know what, I'm going to jump on the Chiefs again, and that, that was an error because uh, even without Josh Uwani, yeah, um, I thought that'd be a late, massive blow. Yeah, so did I. And guys like Aaron Smith and um, the, they just rallied, like the 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 players in the Highlanders just rallied and and found a way, and you know, clutch clutch effort from Bryn Gatland there late in the game after you'd think that the Chiefs had snagged it back and just tit for tat and just really, really impressive. Through all the penalties, losing momentum regularly for both sides, but the Highlanders just just kept finding that extra effort. And what would Josh Uwani normally... He'd be lining up at 15, right? So they've... No, so he was was named for 10. Really? Yeah, so at the start, he was of the season of Super Rugby. He was... Um, trialed at 12 and they had sort of Mitch Hunt and Joshuani 10-12 running there which wasn't really working and they'd sort of made a conscious decision to go back to him at 10 where he really had shone um, but obviously wasn't able to make it out onto the park for this one Interesting because I think like Mitch Hunt has that Crusaders pedigree I've always kind of rated him um and I think he deserves an opportunity long term and thing to actually, I guess, deal with going forward. Do you now drop Mitch Hunt out for Uani, or do you try and slot Uani somewhere else back into the back line? Because obviously it's working quite well. I think Rob Thompson always been a bit of a strong point there at thirteen. Um, Tomkinson as well played well. So yeah, it's it's difficult. I think fifteen might still be an option for Josh Uani in my opinion, but. Um, yeah, be interesting to see what they do once he's back. So, obviously, Bryn Gatlin is there as well um, as Mitch Hunt. As we said, he, he put over the last um, drop goal to try and, well, to upset Daddy Dearest, um, Papa Gatlin, who, the coach of the Chiefs, um, which might might not go down um, that well next family dinner that they have. Do you think this is just the fact that the Highlanders have now sort of able to change that image obviously as you said they started off really poorly um in super rugby is this like a chance to for them to climb up the ladder because i i had them pegged for coming fifth in this competition i still think they're gonna struggle to compete with perhaps the crusaders i i don't know 
in terms of their squad, I think it's clear that they probably have the, the weakest squad um, in Super Rugby. But in saying that, they've got a great coaching panel. Um, they do build quite a camaraderie down there. And you've seen in years past, they kind of play above the weight of their actual squad yeah. with, with a lot of kind of lesser names in, in those squads. So, I mean, who knows? They could actually make a press here. They did start poorly earlier in the year. We know that. But, yeah, I'm still, I'd am still i still pick them for fifth, I think. It would be out of them, I think, in that, and the Canes. But, look, the Hurricanes are a bit erratic. I feel like the Highlanders, this might be, you know, their best performance almost maybe of, of the season against a, a very strong Chiefs team. But, yeah, we'll have to see how they go next week. I think the, I think the Highlanders are still fifth in my table, unfortunately. Like, they don't have a lot of depth. They've lost some really talented players. They always did a lot with little uh, in previous seasons. And playing at home and, and, again, adrenaline, first game back, I think they've managed to pull out some of their best uh, rugby. It does depend a little bit on how teams adapt to this new uh, officiating style. Uh, but I, I think the the Hollanders have probably played one of their best games of the season now. I'd expect the Chiefs, although they can be a little bit up and down, I think they've got the spine and the and again the coaching pedigree. They'll they'll lift. They'll find ways to improve. And to to lose in a close game like that, that's an away game. So that's you know one that they were always going to be challenged by. I don't see the Highlanders winning a lot of away games, mm. especially with the Blues being so resurgent. There's no easy wins on the road for them, and uh, the Highlanders, you know, facing the Crusaders at home. You know, at the very least, and whether the Hurricanes shine a bit more and the Blues can bring the bring the points. So, I don't think there's a path for the Highlanders to win probably more than three games this season. Well, let's go and talk about these resurgent Blues because we were sort of saying saying there were signs early on in the start of the year, and like the the performance that they put together today was pretty exceptional um, against this Hurricanes team. Look, everyone's heard about Bowden Barrett's gone there. The other thing that's been the big news is Dan Carter's come and signed on for this competition as well. Didn't play. Doesn't look like he probably won't play um, next week either because he's a late addition to the squad. But some massive names. But the person who stood up the most probably today was a Terry Black. He's held onto his 10 jersey even though Bowden's there. Shifted Bowden to 15. And he steered this team that was pretty dominant, and the defence was definitely a highlight. But taking down the Hurricanes, 30 points to 20, in a very dominant second half, um, Terry Black just popping over a couple of penalties and kept the points ticking. Yeah, and I, I don't know the forward pack um, throughout the Blues, but those guys were really solid. There's a couple of names there that I'm, I'm still not familiar with. They all played a you know, really... A really strong physical game. They were they were knocking the Hurricanes back. Really strong defensive line overall throughout the game, and that was a good platform. Then when they got into attack, they mm. were moving forward. Lots of good ball runners. Lots of lots of just short balls. Lots of simple simple tactics, and and that gave a lot of space to Black and Bowden Barrett to kind of float around, play yeah. one to the other, and you know just pick the time to throw the cutout. Other times just to let TJ Farney and uh, Rico Yuani just crash it up. Um, Caleb Clark out on the wing. Like I, I don't remember him at all from earlier in the season. I'm not sure if he was around, but yeah, he was. Um, was he? But yeah, he, I was he like, had yeah, a really good game today. Yeah, and and we were already well, aware. Well, he wasn't of... getting picked, was he? 
He wasn't starting. Duffy was starting See? quite a bit. Yeah, uh, okay. Who's and who's the, their other winger? And Martian. Talaya. The English... Yeah, Joe Martian, Martian was though, there and he scored, there. but Talaya was um, the other winger who was impressive at the start of the year. He we was were... the one making all the line breaks yeah. and, and breaking tackles. That's and, it. Um, he was he had all the headlines in those first six games. So, you know, again, they've they've played a really good solid game, and it's come off a good forwards platform. Uh, Atera Black and Bowden Barrett now playing together with Bowden active. That's that's just looking like a really good combination, good communication. And then you've got the experience of someone like Dan Carter, only running the water with Tana Umanga today. But I mean, how much more experience and and wisdom can you ask for From your sitting on the sideline yeah. to help it? to help these young guys come along, like yeah. huge potential there. I think Leon McDonald definitely is playing a part in this resurgence of the Blues as well. I think we we found out that Tana may not be cut out to be a head coach quite yet, um, but obviously a guy that you want around these types of squads, mm-hmm. he offers a lot. Um, and they've gone from, let's be honest, they've gone from having a Terry Black and Plummer as their fly-half options now to bring in Bowden and DC, like, even if those guys aren't going to play 10, imagine the wisdom and knowledge they can kind of share with these young guys coming through. Um, and it's going to push them to another level, I think. They're, they're not going to be sitting back thinking they've got the position nailed. They know if they play a bad game, they could get someone like Bowden coming in. Or yeah. he stays at 15, you bring in DC to start. So a Terry Black has to play well at a high level to retain his spot. I think he knows that. And... His kicking was clutch today, so it's it's really good signs for the Blues. I think their forward pack's in a lot better position than it was in previous oh. years. Um, their back row particularly. Um, but, yeah, there's there's good signs. I think their forward pack's really well put together now. Like, I don't agree with some of the hair colouring choices. Um, <laughs> the Dennis Rodman's out there. decided to go pink and, yeah, Hoskins going the, the bleach white. Um but those boys like carrying was just always making meters. They've got Tom Robinson back there at six, um, who is just like tireless in terms of his work rate. Um, and then you go between either Gibson or you have um, Papa Lee, like Papali. as your seven. Like both of those guys are so strong and so immense, and really um, can inject themselves at the breakdown. I think it's. I just think they're. It's really well put together and. They showed that today with the Hurricanes didn't really look like they really got that much rhythm for a lot of this game. I don't know. If I think they're just... showing a lot more maturity. They just don't get rattled like they used to the Blues. Like yeah. they used to have good stretches and then they just lose the plot. And almost I think the Hurricanes are more similar to that mold now. They do really have electric stretches of play and then just kind of go missing for well, periods and they don't have that continuity. Well, like. TJ is obviously a leader for that back line, um, but he's himself is a bit erratic. They don't really have anyone else that's going to stand up and lead that back line. It's more seems a bit more like it's a um, bunch of individuals that are all like amazing talents, but I don't know if they really combine quite as well as they could if without having someone like Bowden there to sort of rally people together and um, put people in the right space. Yeah, and they like the structure, I think. You're right. Yeah, I wonder if Perinara is trying to have a little bit more influence on that because he did sort of float out to to fly half on a few plays, whether he was sort oh. of linking off, off a scrum or a line out. And 
I don't know. It just it it just seemed like maybe he was becoming more involved, and it wasn't necessarily it wasn't really drawing the attention of the the opposition. They were kind of just you know letting him run it up, and when he made the pass, it, he wasn't yeah. deceptive like yeah. he usually is when he's not so prominent. He could be deceptive, and he can kind of come out of nowhere. I felt yeah. like he was very prominent, and they just they handled him well. Well, it's interesting that they took old um, Big Bum Gun Bashup off um, and they moved TJ to 10 and they brought on Jamie Booth. Like, they actually switched him out to first five yeah. for the, the last quarter of the game. So that shows you either how much confidence they have in him to step up into that role or not having confidence in someone like Fletcher Smith or someone who they'd normally bring on um, as their sort of 10. But... The, the, I would like to see Geordie in at 10. Geordie at I think, 10? I think he's got the skills. Yeah. Geordie at 10, La Marfie at 12, and TJ at 9. I think that's pretty dangerous. And then the, the outside backs aren't their, their issue at all. No. They've got no. Chase Tia Tia at the back, Ben Lamb, yeah, and then Arso on one wing maybe, or whoever's going to play 13. But Geordie needs to slot in somewhere. If he goes to 15, he pushes tier two out. If he goes to 13, I'm not sure that's his, you know, I'm not sure that's his best position either. So, and you don't really want him on the wing, do you? So I think Jordy could take hold of this team and start running it and asserting himself more on this back line. That's 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 what I, you know, it's a bold coaching call. Much. I think I think Jordy ends up taking Husen's spot. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they're more it. likely to put him at at. I think they'll put him at 13 eventually. And then you've probably got Asso or Houston fighting it out for the other wings. But I don't want to see Garden Bashir there. I don't think I don't think he's super rugby, you know, starting quality. I just don't see it. Maybe a solid bench player you, to come on and play 10 minutes. But you never liked never him ever liked since him. he played for the Rebels, though. I guess his trim is probably as fit as he's looked, but... No, I don't see it. It's like I didn't really see it either with um, Gatland, Britain Gatland. Still don't quite see it, but I think as a backup, very solid. Mm. Just yeah. So obviously we yeah. didn't get to see the uh, the Crusaders this weekend. Um, what are your guys' predictions of where this season wraps up? Has everyone got the Crusaders finishing on top? I think they've still yeah. got the elite roster and and the the. Not so, not the heritage, just like the the momentum out of earlier in the year, and they're just. I think their systems are just yeah, better than everyone else. They, they are, play they really their are. system so well. You see how um, Hurricanes, who at times were elite, when the system and the people and the you know and the preparation was all exactly as it needed to be. The Hurric- the Crusaders, change of personnel, the system's strong. The preparation is always consistent. You, you just never see weakness out of them. So they've got to be my number one. I assume you guys are pretty similar. I thought, the Chiefs, I thought the Chiefs actually, you know, earlier on in the year, I thought the Chiefs might make a run at this. But I think the breaks probably play into the hands of the Crusaders in some ways. They're able to, you know, recoup a little bit. And um, we know they're slow starters. So whether that happens again... We'll have to wait and yeah. see till week two, but I don't know. I think Scott Robinson as well has a lot to prove after missing out on the All Blacks job. I think this will be, you know, 
something for him to get motivated for 10 weeks of, of rugby where he can, you know, keep that momentum going. He'll probably be around for another two or three years now. Um, mm. Yeah, so before I think the Chiefs were the whole pick and you know, maybe they come off the ball a little bit I over think this break. Let's not overreact to one game. Like, I reckon the Chiefs will still be the ones fighting it out with the Crusaders for who takes home um, the top spot. Um, it obviously makes it a bit harder having that first loss um, because it's such a short season. Um, mm. But I, I do think it's going to be sort of Crusaders and Chiefs. And then Blues, I reckon, are going to be there in the midfield now um, yep. above the Hurricanes and the yep. Islanders fighting it out for um, trying to avoid the wooden spoon. So you're, yeah. you're, actually, you're saying Tier 1 is Crusaders and Chiefs, Tier 2 is Blues a little bit standalone, and then Hurricanes, Highlanders at the bottom? That's that's what I'm thinking, yeah. I actually I actually think the Chiefs and the Blues might actually be closer to the one tier, and then I think Crusaders still have half a level on both of them. I reckon I reckon they'll wrap it up, but um, without you know some disastrous injuries or anything, I, I think the Chiefs and the Blues will be contesting second. Interesting. So let's let's look at next week. Um, we have the Chiefs hosting the Blues down in Hamilton, so. It's a one way to test this theory. Obviously, a home game for the Chiefs Segway. should be a bit nicer. Um, I'm hoping they do start Cruden um, in this game rather than bring him off the bench. I think he offers way more sort of um, in terms of just structuring that team and helping get Damian McKenzie a bit more space. Um, and then we have the Hurricanes hosting the Crusaders, getting their first taste of um, Super Rugby Atiloa, um action. So, yeah, massive games because... The Chiefs need to beat the Blues at home, and Cruden looked really um, a, li- a little bit desperate and and unsure. Like he wasn't getting the run of play against the against the Highlanders uh, on the weekend. So yeah, I think giving him the start and giving him more time should help. And the connection with McKenzie is pretty critical. So yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all if we see that. And then oh, you know the Blues again, first test away from home. Um, can they carry this momentum? That, that's a huge game to me. To me, that sets up who's then chasing, who's under pressure to chase, and it's a different scenario for each team because the Blues falling back early, and people be like, "Oh, it's the same old Blues. We had some hope, and, <laughs> and the pressure will be on them early." Versus if they get a couple of wins, the, the the momentum will carry them along, and they won't feel that heavy pressure. The Chiefs to come off a two loss start, um, Warren Gatland will get the whip out and. Um, it'll just you know it'll it'll just be um, a lot of pressure on the players to to try and show that they're um, you know they're almost like this that the lineups are worth sustaining whether Gatlin brings in the axe and starts chopping and changing early after two losses or if he is comfortable enough with the guys he's got and he's just going to play the long game it'll be just an interesting sort of politics for each team if they if they cop this loss in week two. And it's a cracking rivalry, like Chiefs-Blues. It's a fight for a lot of fans surrounding Auckland as well, Arch. I think, not sure if you've talked to people um, that perhaps are now Chiefs fans after, you know, living in Auckland for a long period of time because the Blues haven't attracted people, as, as you know, to be this on their yeah. supporter base. So there might be a changing the tides here a little bit, um, but there's been so many false starts for the Blues in recent years. You just, yeah, you can't can't be sure unless you see it for a number of weeks. So, um, me, I think it, it is starting to change, but I think the Chiefs are the better team and they should get a win here. But, 
who knows with Bowden on the Blues, you can't rule anything out really. All right, so who's taking Blues next week then? No, nah. Chiefs. Chiefs on the bounce Tricky. back. Tricky. Yeah, game though. The Chiefs. The Chiefs were right in that game down in Dunedin all the way through. Um, blow blow out the rust. I think. I think if um, Aaron Cruden starts, I think I'd be fairly comfortable taking the Chiefs, even if it's only sort of a six to eight sort of margin, just that one try-ish range. I think if you if you look at Weber, ALB, DMAC, Cruden in that back line, like that's pretty electric. Um, I think it's a slight level above the Blues, but Ooh. the Fords might be where the real battle is. Um, do like the look of these Chiefs. I like back row, but... I don't know if Mitch Brown is injured. He was in the second row. They play a very light back five. Yeah. They like playing some sort see. of five flankers, don't they? Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, any chance you'll make the trip, Arch? Uh, you know, I, I could definitely be tempted to take a sneaky little road trip down for a, a Saturday game. Might might have to do it. I've, I've been dissuaded away from going to Hamilton for any other reason than to go watch the Chiefs. Um so really, yeah. Apparently, it's it's rugby, or if you want to get into a fight, that's a good reason to go to Hamilton. Uh, Wouldn't Hamilton is Hamilton nicer than Rotorua though? It's definitely not as stinky, right? <laughs> um, I don't think it's particularly nice, but I might actually, yeah, I might try and make the trip down. But I, I'd I'd back the Chiefs here as well at home. I think that's going to be the tipping point. Um, and then Crusaders got to think that they're gonna take down the Hurricanes, um, even on the road, which will spell trouble for the Canes. Two from two losses um, if they start off, start off that season like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Look, I think the Canes are still, they're in a sense, rebuilding. Um, they haven't quite found that those levels that they're at three or four years ago now in the prime where they were winning titles. Um, and I think the Crusaders just have too much class. I think they're too poised, and I think they'll break down the Hurricanes even up there in Wellington, and I think they'll they'll get their first win of the season. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think the... I don't know, Arch, if you've got the schedule to hand there, but the, the big games for the Crusaders will be playing at Chiefs. If the Blues maintain their run, it'll be at the Blues, a bit of you know, potential trap game that they're not used to finding competitive... Mm. Um, I wonder how deep into the season those are. Can you can you see the roster? The, so the, I think... the Crusaders are hosting the Chiefs the week after next, um, and the Crusaders are the Blues are going to Christchurch as well um, in week five. Um, so those mm. home games for those teams are all in the second half of the season. Um, sort of. You're, so you're it's interesting. With the last week eight, get the mental edge. Week eight last and week ten. Um, is yeah, yeah week, 10. week ten is Blues versus Crusaders in Auckland um, at Eden Park. So yeah, yeah. good right, games, no, good good games, and um, well, that's the thing. There's no tough. bad games in this. Yeah, mm. no, but the, but those ones, even the, the timing, because if we think that those are the top three teams, and the Crusaders get the luxury of playing them at home first, can try and you know settle the the mental edge on their side yeah. and then those other teams are playing catch up as well so just more reasons for me the crusaders are in a good position to uh top this this new competition true 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 
Okay, that's uh, the New Zealand side of things. Um, in terms of the Australian side of things, obviously we've got a couple of weeks still to think about this, but just initial thoughts, um, who's going well, who's going poorly? Well, I'd, um, I'd like to say the Reds are going to go well, but uh, we didn't mention earlier, they've lost a few key players. Yeah. It's a bit disappointing. What's Brad Thorne doing up there? He's letting his star young guns um, leave leave his club. It's, I don't um, think it's, it's not him, though. Yeah. He didn't we, terminate the... Yeah, they, they terminated their own contracts. We've heard some... We've heard various things, and, and Brad Thorne, I think, has come out and says that he was trying to talk these guys into staying. They want one sort of side note that you can put as much emphasis on as you you think it it, it deserves is that they had the same manager as Samu Karevi and there was some sense that this this manager might have been pushing these guys to, to leave. Well, well, not to leave, but to, to just kind of challenge yeah, the, the value. So, yeah. so the players we're talking about are Isaac Rodder, Harry Hawkins, and Isaac Lucas. Um, and along with a lot of players, um, I think, were all being given pay cuts to their current salaries. Um, they were all asked to take a pay cut in yeah. part in part of the the you know the Super Rugby competition being put it put on hold. Yeah, uh, uncertainty around who was going to be playing against who because of travel, whether the competition would restart, and all the players just to try and support their you know well, their employer, their, their club, rugby the Australian, Rugby Australia, and we've seen yeah, yeah they've all been in financial trouble obviously with not getting this sort of money coming in from the competition. And somehow these guys decided to take a stand and say, no, look, we're not prepared to take a cut. Um, not really sure on, at an individual level why anyone would think they, they shouldn't have to. But what, again, this is why I wonder if it's a management thing or we also heard that Isaac Rodder was looking to go to a different team, maybe looking to go to the Waratahs. I can't imagine why. Like I just, The Reds had such a good... Uh, nucleus of players and and structure and they were building momentum and they were building culture building yeah what's that culture doing now like yeah that's that's, taken a hit i think rotto was kind of clashing heads with brad thorne um i don't know and i think potentially it was happening last because that's what was reported that they weren't Mm. getting on and maybe that's kind of similar that was the spark to kind of maybe get two other guys thinking, well, maybe we'll consider our other options in a period where maybe the Reds can't offer them the most money. You know, like if you've got a lot of guys on the up coming through looking to get paid, perhaps the the option is to go to the Waratahs where they are lacking a second rower and get the premium paycheck there. I'm not saying it's a better team to go to or a better culture, but if you're not too fond of the, of the head coach at a particular time, then you can understand why I'd look around. But... Does, does it's Twitch really try like and this open is his wallet and lure a few guys over to the fort. Mate, I, I don't know, but like, I think this is the worst timing. Rod is probably the one that's safer because he's played in the Wallabies for a period of time. He's he's more of a known quantity. Whereas um, Harry Hawkins was on the up. We thought he was one of the future, you know, second row stars that would be coming through. Angus Blythe might have overtaken him a little bit recently, but. I think, yeah, it's 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 a real blow to the young guys that haven't quite made their name yet. Also, um, now I've forgotten his name, Isaac Lucas. See, you can't even remember you know, his name anymore. 
Mate, where's he going to go? He's going to go to Japan, never get his opportunity. The Wallabies, like, that's really sad. Like, he needed to make inroads this year with a new coach in the Wallabies setup. He could have been picked this year. He yeah. could have been the yeah. Damien McKenzie for the Wallabies. And and now, where is he? I mean, Europe might not even play this year. Japan still, it's un- uncertain what's going on. So they've really shot themselves in the foot here, particularly with coronavirus. I think, you know, they've made the wrong move. Yeah, I, I'm not happy because it's affecting my my new love, the Reds team. But um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense that you you take these risks, take yourself out of a side, which of the existing super teams is going to take you on. We talk about Twiggy opening his wallet and go to the force, but to sign on with the force for anything more than this year, like you're complete unknown whether you're going to be on a, on a good platform to make a Wallaby side. You're probably not going to be making the same sort of money you could be making other places unless uh, Twiggy Forest really wants to embed the forces like a quality team in their own competition like it's it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. to to have done that unless maybe they they were hedging their bets on getting an overseas contract because the, the stink of how, how are they gonna how are they gonna deal with the other players in the system like other players and other super teams and look at them and go so you weren't prepared to take a cut or you know you use this to bail on your team to come to our team like is that really is that really a good well, way then, to yeah, then introduce yourself to the next team? And then drop someone else out. Yeah, it just seems weird. I feel like it it's, gotta, it's not the year got to be do more it. to the story, though. There's oh, got to be more to the story than just, oh, we want more money like, and we're That's not willing I mean. to compromise. I think it doesn't make sense. There's other things money. in play here. Um, but, yeah, like, also, like, if you play for the force, are you eligible for the Wallabies? I don't even know the, yeah. the rules on that. No, I think they you put are. in a thing t- this year, even with Rapid Rugby, um, that if you played for the Force, you were w- eligible to be picked for the Wallabies. And, and is that not necessarily going forward just for this year, or like? I think that was. I think it was just saying it was for this year, but that's. I think it's just because yeah. they're so uncertain with how everything's going to wrap up, even before obviously COVID nineteen, um, with Rapid Rugby and what was happening in that sphere anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be brilliant if the force signed all three of them, you know, just for whatever. We'll keep it 30, in the competition. Just, who cares what the money is? Like, go and play for eight games or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that's the smart thing to do. And then assess your options after that because no, you can't play anywhere else at the moment. Sign a short-term contract for, for barely any money. Um, live in Perth for a couple of months and... You know, you get your name back out there on the radar and you can kind of show that you're a guy that another team would, would consider signing, whether it be in yeah. Australia or overseas, because they're just going to disappear into obscurity otherwise. Yeah, you're going to lose a lot of name value if you're not present mm. um, in Super Rugby. So well, it's a real opportunity this year with the Wallabies. Yeah. It's a transition. So, yeah. so they're looking at some different law changes um, as well. For the Australian competition surrounding the scrum and things, to, again, things to try and improve the speed of the game. They've seen that leagues um, done this in Australia and had real success speeding up the game. So they're looking for the same thing there. We won't go into that today. We'll probably touch on that in um, a couple of weeks' time. Where are you guys feeling in terms of... I think the biggest question really is, are the force going to come into this competition and are they going to be competitive? We've talked about I the guess Waratahs, they will. 
Is that? Do you? I think the tars are that bad. No, again, I like to break things down into tiers. I like to break things down into tiers, and I think Brumbies with with the losses of the Reds, I think the Brumbies are clearly up on their own tier. Down in tiers. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I'm in the habit. Um, the Brumbies, that's clearly tier one. Yeah. The Reds, I would have put up in tier one with the Brumbies if they hadn't had this disruption. Now, I don't really know where to put them. Um, but I think it's significant loss, particularly Brodder, um, Hawkins. <laughs> it's just their second row depth and Isaac Lucas, who loads of potential. I think they're tier two. And I think, yeah, look, it's probably it's probably Rebels, Waratahs, Reds, all in a mixture of tier two and, and force a tier three. But if anyone's going to be... Mm. Um, so shaky and uh, that the that the force might pick them off, particularly at home. I think it's the Waratahs. Yeah, I'd, I can't see the force getting an away win, but no, there no, is. No. I think a home win, and anyone and no they're, one really. Yeah, look at the force versus any super team. The force are a bit of a bogey team for the Waratahs as well in the past. Yeah, I'd have to see them play at least a couple of games. I just I'm not convinced that. They have the roster for this. I mean, it's going to help getting John Lance in. It's going to help Cole Godwin. It shores up their midfield in the back line. You know, you had a had a good experience prop, but how many this guys is, is just are you from, still familiar are. with? Like, how many guys can actually cut it at Super Rugby level? Are they are they not just more club rugby level in the force at the moment? But think about the fact that this is a team that's played together. A lot, well, both in the NRC and in Rapid Rugby, they've been together. Yeah. They've played a lot together. They've used to traveling all over the, a lot of travel um, with this as well. And they've consistently, like, been strong performers. And I know NRC is a step down from Super Rugby. But still, you got to think, if they've had that much success there, they're going to they're gonna push some teams. The only thing I think they'll I think, they'll surprise, but yeah, yeah. I, I think if guys like John Lance and Kyle Godwin come in and bolster, um, and and solidify around that back line, who are probably used to operating with Andrew Deegan, who's no longer there, it's now at the Rebels. Yep. Um, that's you know that's a loss for the force for their continuity over the last couple of years. So, um, if if they can get in there and and steer the ship keep it steady you know that's that's two experienced guys that know the opposition um maybe not some of the younger guys that that like the waratahs but certainly would know the rebels and um you know probably know some of the reds too so it's not a not a bad thing to have those guys on board if they can just find um a way to meld into the the force like you said archie that they would know each other's game really well they've just got to make sure they're not intimidated by these other teams and Chris Alcock's still playing. This is ridiculous. He's only thirty-one. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I thought he would be like thirty-seven or something. <laughs> so you got Alcock. I'm just looking at their roster. Jack McGregor, Jonah Placid, both semi-values from the Rebels. Um, Ian Pryor was always solid at the Brumbies, but more of a backup there. Jeremy Thrush, I think, for the Canes for a fair while. He's he's signed on. One guy that I'm really keen to see is Andrew Reddy. Because he, at one stage, was looking like a future Wallabies hooker. He was at the Reds. And then, yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think when Brad Thorne came in at the Reds, he 
was deemed not to be fit enough. He may have had a clash with Brad Thorne as well in terms of personality and then was just kind of shipped out. And that's the last we've seen of him. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see as a hooker where Australia is still searching for for future potential at, at the Wallabies level. I think Reddy's not out of the frame just yet, so he might have something to prove, which would be interesting. I mean, I'm glad they're here. I like that the force are back in it. It's good. It's a good thing. And I think, you know, Perth deserves another shot at Super Rugby, even if it's just this year. So I think they'll be right up for it. I just don't know if they, they have the quality there to really compete. Well, it'll be interesting to see. It is going to be a shame. <laughs> it doesn't look like um, that the Rugby Championship is going to be going ahead as we think, or especially in current sort of states. Um, South Africa are no closer to opening up for rugby. Argentina have let players sign elsewhere with clubs in France um, because they're not sure they're going to be able to have a team either for international, whether the Haguaras um, continue to represent in Super Rugby. Um, It's interesting, though, I was just... With all sort of these um, competitions shutting down a little bit and unsure about their future, during the lockdown, there's been two new American Major League Rugby teams announced. Um, (laughs) Which, I mean, it's great, right? Like, the game is obviously big enough that they know that they can continue to expand. Like, they're getting bigger I think they've they've lost the team too, right? I think they've lost the Colorado team, is it? One of the teams is bowing out. I could be wrong. I think it's Are Colorado, they? but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe the Glendale Raptors have disappeared. Sorry, Glendale. Yeah, Glendale. Yeah, so but they, the, they now yeah, have the Arizona Dallas team. Now they have the Dallas Jackals and the Austin Gilgronies, which I'm not really sure what a Gilgroni is. It's yeah. a drink. Isn't that a Negroni? So let, yeah, exactly. It's a take on that. The guy that owns, I think, F45, like Jim's, Australian guy, now owns two of the major league teams. <laughs> so the Gilgronis, which is a take on the Negroni, but with his name in it. So it's part his name, part Negroni. So he's Gilgroni. named his team after yep. himself. Exactly. And so he's done that. Um, so they're coming in to start with, and now he's also got a team in LA, which is the Giltinis. So take <laughs> on a Mark t- Martini, which I think, like, like I don't want. I I appreciate that Major League Rugby is growing, but this just seems like a massive gimmick, and I can't see how it's. I don't know. It seems very very strange in a lot of ways that you're naming, you're inventing drinks or takes on drinks and you're putting your name in, in the team name as yeah. an owner. I don't know. I feel like there's better ways you could market a team than through through <laughs> your own identity. But it's anyway, that's what he's America. done. Classic but he's Australian. I know, that's but he's in America. Anyway, <laughs> they've signed Darren Coleman, who used to coach the, um, the New South Wales Country Eagles. Oh, yeah. So he's going to be coach of the LA team. But I think they start in 2021. But you're right, the the Austin team, well, theoretically should have been from this year. But it is growing. It's definitely I a, mean, I just think a competition it's... that's growing. <laughs> yeah. And and whether it's going to start expanding even more, maybe with like 
potentially is this an opening for South American teams to maybe join that competition rather than joining Super Rugby? Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that where that sort of leads us. Um, I don't believe there's any sort of further word with UK or France trying to restart any of these competitions as yet. Toby, has is, is there been any whispers over there? I think there's been some conversations about potentially starting the season or finishing the season, shall I say, August, September. I don't think it's going to happen here. I just don't see with the, the environment around coronavirus, I don't think it, we're going to be in a position to finish that that season, Premiership Rugby season or p- perhaps even the Pro 14. But um, there's also been a lot of discussions around financial viability of, of some of the teams in the Premiership. Yeah. Um, and they've seen over the last, say, three years that the salaries being paid to some of these players have has jumped up massively. I think three years ago... I was listening to the rugby pod and the guys were talking about the fact that I think there are only like a handful of players being paid over £300,000 a year three years ago. And now there was something like close to 100 players being paid in excess of £300,000 per year. So the offerings for for overseas players and, and even local players here in terms of salary has gone up massively. But I think a lot of the teams are actually struggling to keep up with that. Mm. And so... There could be a few question marks over the the long term viability of those teams. So they're talking about whether they change the way the salary cap is, um, and whether there should be ring fencing and getting the Newcastle team back in the competition. Saracens were meant to be relegated for next season because they they um, they'd gone outside the the salary cap in playing certain players, and um, there was a whole controversy around that. So it's whether Saracens drop out for a year or not. They're still not decided, apparently, um, because they contribute a lot. If they other teams, yeah, you kind of need to keep your, your boys. Exactly. Around. So at the moment, it's very much up in the air. It's it's not probably as strong as it was a couple of years ago in terms of the market for rugby here, but you've seen what's happened in, in New Zealand, obviously, with the crowds coming back straight away, and there could be a similar real influx of interest once the game gets going again. The other thing I want to mention is that there might be a United Northern and Southern Hemisphere seasons. So basically aligning the Premiership and Pro 14 in running when Super Rugby is running. And then you you go straight into internationals, both, you know, teams travelling south and north, and you have that international season after that. So there might be a real change in the way that the seasons are run as well. So it could be interesting. I don't mind that, like, to, to think that all the different associations could get in line for their for the greater benefit, for the greater good, and and set themselves up. So, you know, you're going to have to play out of someone's winter into, you know, through a spring and into summer, and then the other hemisphere has to play out of their summer through autumn into winter. And just you've got to pick, you know, is it, it's probably going to be February... February it's more, through to yeah. um, it's, whatever that ends up being, July. It's more viable here because of the weather here. Like in yeah, summer, yeah, that's right. it's here June to play, now. You be playing a 40-degree That's day, right, so. exactly. It's, it's even a bit of a stretch sometimes to start Super Rugby in February. Yeah. But we've been getting away with it 
That's um, right. We have been doing so it. So playing through into summer here with Northern Hemisphere rugby, you know, you're looking at temperatures between like 18 to 24. So it's... Heat wave. Yeah. Heat wave conditions. And that's a heat wave, yeah. So you're probably looking at a lot a lot of the time around 20 degrees. So it's it's pretty pretty comfortable to still to play rugby in. Um, yeah. So that's, that's where the season would flex rather than, say, the Southern Hemisphere moving their competition over a summer period. So... Yeah, it's whether that happens next year or the year after. Whereas, yeah, it's just I don't know with coronavirus whether this is going to move this alignment forward or it's going to delay it for a further year. But I think originally they were looking at 2021 or 2022 to mm-hmm. actually implement that. So, And I think rugby is a particularly key uh, candidate for that type yeah. of alignment internationally. Like other sports aren't suffering quite the same way rugby really needs the, you know, all the different associ- associations to work together and find solutions like this where they can generate interest in multiple competitions through the same period and then link up all the international games. More opportunity for more international games. Mm-hmm. You might have a few more Wallabies versus Georgia minnow-type games, but, um, you know, honestly, we've seen with teams like Georgia, like Japan, like that just builds their profile and gives them more opportunities. You get the old the old upset of a Fiji beating a a France or something, and you know that's that's pretty exciting. So more international games and a and a more involved calendar, mixing it up each year. I think that's you know only could only be positive and should be economically the best path for the game. I think that the biggest challenge up here is agreeing to actually move the Six Nations because mm. that's such an important competition in the Northern Hemisphere, um, which I think it yeah it's February March at the moment. So if you're starting your domestic season in those months, does then, you know, does the Six Nations fall at the end of the year when you're going into winter after you've played maybe a international season versus the Southern Hemisphere teams and then you dive straight into the Six Nations and that's the end of the year maybe. But they've at the moment it's sitting smack bang in the middle of the season where they stop domestic competitions for the Six Nations to actually proceed. So, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge at the moment deciding when to put that competition in place because obviously the six uh, sorry the rugby championship's probably not going to change too much it's it's going to be in july august as it as it is at the moment so um yeah a few challenges to get over but i think like you say leo it's an important thing to actually get right um because you know rugby as a sport struggles in certain countries so i think if we're on the same page we can promote it in a uniform way which is good I think that's fair enough. Um, look, obviously, we're going to have lots of time to think about this and um, talk about this a bit more um, in the coming weeks, but I'm just so happy to be able to watch some rugby um, this weekend and next weekend. It's it's bloody beautiful game. Um, boys, <laughs> anyone got anything else they want to add? Or I think we can probably just leave it there. First one back, you know, got got a bit of the rust off there, back into potting life. Yeah, I know there's a few dedicated listeners who've been waiting for for the oh, next sure. pod for the pod to come back. So, uh, guys, if there's anything you know that uh, we should be talking about? There's a lot of different things going on in the world, a lot of changes, a lot of competitions um, adapting to the new conditions. Um, drop us a line, get us on Instagram, Arch. You'll, you'll run us through all the links, but uh, yeah, engage with us so we can make sure we're covering your corner of the world as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I just say, I think, yeah, 
Super Rugby, hopefully Australia at some stage gets crowds back. I just urge everyone to, to get down and actually you know support it where you can because it's a challenging year for Australian rugby. I think we need as much money coming through the gates as possible to actually keep the Wallabies at the top, um, you know, challenging the rest of the world. We need we need that financial structure in place. And hopefully they price the tickets accordingly like they have in New Zealand. It's made it a lot more yeah, exactly. a lot more approachable. Yeah. Yeah, if there was ever a time um, to make those affordable, it's definitely now. Um, but as Leah said, reach out to us. We are on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod or you can find our Facebook page under that same name. Um, make sure you keep listening and subscribe, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or any other any of the other servers. Um, we're on all the best ones. Um, thanks for joining us back in. Um, we will be back next week to talk about round two of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, finally, I think I can say that properly now. Um, you cracked it, mate. Exactly. Um, all the best and we will see you next week keep on running run it's going to be a bit rusty it's going to be weird I haven't haven't done this for a while whew all right. No pressure. It's all just, it's just conversational. It is, it is. So we'll just start. <laughs>